0: Are you taking a reactive or proactive approach to your taxes? Do you wait until the year is over and hope for the best when tax time comes around? Is your business taking accurate tax deductions and receiving all the tax credits you deserve? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we will answer these questions and many more. So sharpen your pencil and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge. Hello, hello. I hope you're having a wonderful day today. This is the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge, enrolled agent on show number 52, having a great ride here, sharing this valuable, valuable information with you all. Certainly appreciate having a worldwide audience throughout the United States, Canada, across Europe and Asia as well. It's interesting that so many would be interested in about, guess what, United States tax returns for both individuals and businesses and how, it can, uh, how you can use the law to pay as little tax as possible. Yes, we do have this across like areas like iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts, so you can find us on a variety of platforms. We broadcast this live uh, now across the Cash Tracks Financial Facebook page. And of course, this video is also posted later onto the Cash Tracks Financial YouTube channel, along with many of our past uh, shows are there as well. So please subscribe, and because we do post something new from time to time, and certainly uh, want to appreciate uh, help you to learn more about taxes, how to do them best. Also, keep in mind that we do have mutual exploration sessions available for individuals with me, Marcelino Dodge, personally, through. Uh, video uh, meetings where we get to know a little bit about you. You get to know a little bit about me. And what we do is we just kind of get to know, Hey, is the plaques tax planning services, the tax services in general that is offered through cash tracks, financial, along with the other financial services that we offer, do these have value for me? And that's what I really want to help you to do is have value, be able to pay as little tax as possible and help you all with your overall financial picture. Yes. Please give me a call. And then contact me. It's through success at cashtracksfinancial.com. You can also check out our newly redesigned website, which is cashtracksfinancial.com. And right through the website there, you can schedule your mutual exploration session just to be able to, once again, sit down through video conference or, or live if you want to. It's up to you. But we can do it however, whatever works for you, because we are a totally virtual tax preparation office, which allows you to be able to converse with me, as well as do all of our documents, uh, do all of the signatures, everything without even having to come to the office. And that's why as an enrolled agent, I'm able to help you nationwide with your taxes, no matter which of the 50 states where you live. Today's topic. Touching on a very important subject because we see cryptocurrency and virtual currencies just growing in use across the country. Many businesses are accepting them for services and products. But yet, how does the IRS look at these? I've discussed this on prior shows. I'm going to discuss it again because it's still a growing area. And it's so many individuals just really need to have this information because it can affect them on their taxes which is why I titled this show Using Bitcoin to Make Purchases is a tax-reportable event? Huh? Did you know that? Did you realize that? That when you have been using Bitcoin or virtual currency to go and make a purchase like at Starbucks for your coffee, that that is actually a tax-reportable event. Why is that? Why do you need to know this? Well, that's what we're going to get into in just a little bit because it is so important in this new economy because we're doing business across the internet. It has just been changing exponentially, especially through the pandemic, through the use of the internet, and the other idea, of course, that has makes this an issue or brings us up is because people are doing touchless payments as well. All of that is part of what is happening here and virtual currency is playing a part in that along with other ways that people of course are using uh, the sharing economy in renting vehicles or driving. There's a number of areas. So across the internet and across our mobile devices, there are many areas that people just need to be aware of tax wise. And frankly, whether you're looking at a, a regular brick and mortar business, or you're looking at one of the possibilities of one of these, Uh, apps on your phone that use it to do business. It's really, at least what I highly recommend, it's at the point where before you really get going on any of these, guess what? Just like anything, financially, I always recommend you get with a good tax professional that knows about these so that you can make a wise decision as well as, once again, pay as little tax as possible because in many of these cases, there's going to be taxes due Because you think, well, I'm just going to do this to make a little extra money. But guess what? You could end up paying some income tax on that. And also, other definitions we're going to talk about is, will you actually be in business and maybe be subject to self-employment tax? Yes, business over the Internet has certainly opened up a lot of possibilities for individuals over the years and certainly we see if people are not just going, doing business in their local areas or going across state lines, and in some cases crossing uh, international lines to do business. Now, of course, in what I do in helping people to pay as little tax as possible through the tax planning, I'm really working out of my local area, working out through the state of Colorado that I'm in. And then like I say, as I'm doing this, I'm reaching out throughout across the country because of the wonders of the internet, the wonders of video conferencing, All of these allow me and even some recent rulings and changes by the IRS allows me to accept electronic signatures for tax returns uh, for this signature on the 8879, which is the authorization to electronically file the return. I have to have that signed before I can transmit it, but I can get it electronically. And by doing so, boy, that just opens up a whole area of where I can personally help you no matter where you're located to do business. Of course, there's also some... Uh, prior uh, in getting an electronic signature, there are certain uh, safety measures, security measures that I take when I do that, uh, especially it's a knowledge-based authorization. So there's there's like a few knowledge questions, which you've probably encountered those on some other electronic signatures you've been doing. So certainly it's very nice when you can do those and I can offer that service to you. And I'm just one example of how that can be done. Of course, people are maybe selling products through... Uh, through online, which is sends, allows them across these estate lines as well. So this new economy really opens up a lot of areas. So that for myself as a tax professional, I'm not just limited to this general area, and I'm not just relying upon the U.S. mail uh, for for clients that live out of the out of the area and out of the states. I do people that that uh, don't live in my little area, and I do some people who already who don't live in Colorado. But yet we're getting where we do a lot of it through electronics. We used to mail stuff, but we don't do that really very much. A few people do, but we've gone electronically, secure web port, all of these. in my particular line of work has really opened it up. And there's a lot of software that I use that really makes that easy for clients to be able to do business with me. And so whatever line of work you're doing, or whatever you're selling, there's probably some tool that you can use that's allowing you to cross these lines because of the new economy. There's also a lot of businesses and individuals that are using freelancers to go and do work as a result of this economy. Of course, a little one of the areas that we see is, a, is, is the fiverr.com, which not just gives you people throughout the United States, but people throughout the world. And people are using these websites such as this to uh, get certain like logos or maybe transcription work done, whatever it is, uh, there's a lot of different areas you can do. I mean, I, I would admit I've used Fiverr myself at times to maybe get some little bit of work done for my business. So yeah, we see that individual business are turning to these areas. And then some people, of course, are being the freelancers on these sites uh, to earn a little bit of extra money in whatever specialty that they do. And maybe in addition to their work, and why people do this is because, wow, they set their own hours. There's a lot of flexibility that you can have with it. You can set your rates and then also supplement your income. And then, of course, if you have something that you're trying to monetize to make that a little extra money for the job. And I'm sure a lot of people have done that here through the pandemic. They have done these things to be able to earn a little extra money because maybe some have been forced to stay home or maybe others choose to stay home. It just really depends on the situation. But yeah, you got to keep in mind, if you're using these, guess what? There are going to be some tax implications on these, which is why I'm talking about this and which is why I always talk so many times through my program here is that you just cannot rely upon software that says it's free if you do, if you use us, because the free is just a marketing and certainly they're going to start using this or marketing this freeness out again here in just, uh, in just a few weeks, but is it really free? That's all, that's all, that's what I always ask. Is it really free? And And you don't really get a person that really sits down and gets to know you and asks questions and makes you think about different deductions you can take. Because when you're working like a freelancer and setting your hours monetizing, a question comes up, and is developing in some of these cases, is this freelancer an independent contractor or an employee? Well, it really depends on what state of the union here in here throughout the United States you're in some States in some of these cases have been fighting and been passing laws, trying to say well, some of these freelancers, yes, are employees and should be classified as such. Well, depending on what department of labor and what state you're in, the variation of that can vary. But the only one I'm really concerned about and I'm talking about is what the IRS definition is. That's what I'm going to go with. Hmm. So what we see though is the fact that we got to get this clarified. And I like to say, I just look at it from the IRS standpoint. Now, I've mentioned this just a moment ago about the tax considerations. when You're getting involved in one of these freelancer freelancing areas or maybe one of these other apps uh, that allow you to maybe do dog walking or renting out a room in your home, whatever the case may be, there's tax implications. There's tax considerations with these. And the reason I'm bringing this up, I'm going to talk about a little bit more later, is that earlier in 2021 a law was changed where so many more people are going to be getting another tax form if they've been using various websites. And what that tax form is, is a 1099K. And for many taxpayers, it's going to be a first time trans- ah, seeing this form. They're going to be like, what in the world is this? What should I do with this? Well, that's why I'm talking about this, is that If you're doing these type of businesses, it's absolutely essential, and I recommend you get with a tax professional if you've been working with one of these online uh, applications or an application on your phone, selling services or selling products, because you're gonna need to get some good tax advice and you need to talk to a tax professional. Of course, I'm always open for that as well for you. Now, as I mentioned, it's important if you're thinking about one of these, talk to a tax professional find out what is what what's happening here what do you need to look at what do you need to consider what is an expense one of the other areas is that is are you really going to be in business or is it a hobby those are other definitions that come in that are just absolutely vitally important because that affects is what you're doing or is what you're selling going to be subject to self-employment tax or is it not going to be subject to self-employment tax? Are you going to be able to take some expenses? All of these are, are factors to know. Uh, so just don't think of it as making quick and easy money. Yes, it's true. But if you're running through one of these apps, it's going to be reported. And how it gets reported on tax return is going to be absolutely essential. And so you may end up falling under IRS business rules and not even realize it. And... Ha- and finding this out, like when you're trying to prepare your tax return or even six months down the road after you filed your tax return, that can be very costly. Because if for some reason you get this 1099K and you're like, well, I don't need to use that and you don't put it on your tax return. Well, guess what? Six months, a year later, the IRS is going to send you a notice saying, oh, guess what? You didn't report this income. Now we're going to charge you uh, tax. We're going to charge you failure to pay penalties. We're going to charge you underpayment penalties. And on top of that, we're going to add some interest. And so that's why I'm talking about this is that you need to make sure you get that 1099K. And when you get that, you need to talk to a tax professional and even do it now. I would do it even before uh, the year's over or right in January. So you know how to prepare for these and uh, what you can try to get organized to be able to pay as little tax as possible. And then in other areas that you may not realize that there may be local and state regulations that fall into these as well. Now, because there's so many jurisdictions, I really can't get into those, but I just got to make you aware that you may need to take those into consideration as well. Along with the new economy, virtual currencies have come into play. Yes, your Bitcoins, your Litecoins, your Ethereum, all of that has come into play. And why is that? Well, we think about 2008, all the instability that occurred with the banks during the Great Recession. Uh, Virtual currencies have become a way to invest. They've become popular to buy. They've become a way to spend money and buy things. Now, one of the misconceptions out there that many people still have is the fact that, oh, it's virtual currency. It's not being reported to the IRS. It's anonymous. And it's outside of taxation. That's what some people think. And and which is another misconception of so many other areas and, and myths that I've covered on this program is that. There's a good chance you think it may not be it may not be taxed, but guess what? It probably is taxed in some way. So you need to make sure that you get to know the rules and you get to work with the tax professional that's going to help you with this, which is why I personally have really worked on learning about these myself as a tax professional to be able to help those dealing with this, because this is going to be a growing area of help of. Virtual currency, people are using these transactions. In fact, I might even go on to the extent that uh, as a business, for tax preparation purposes, Cash Tracks Financial is going to start accepting virtual currency uh, because it's just the way. It's what's happening. So I'm going to be ready for it. Now, we keep on mind that virtual currencies, they're a type of a digital currency. There's other types of digital currency, but we're going to focus on to Just virtual currencies, which is a type of digital currency, it's often unregulated, which is a key point to keep in mind with it. And as I mentioned, that includes things like your Litecoin, your Ethereum, uh, your Bitcoin Cash, uh, and so on. All of these, and there's various others that are out there that are available, but you just need to be aware that these are there and that these do have tax ramifications when you... uh, uh, buy and sell them now we keep in mind that that there's the virtual wallets we take the wallet out of our pants and we put put cash in uh, that's our physical wallet when we have virtual currency those exist in what's known as virtual wallets which really fits in with various other means I to me it's kind of like because i got so much software that i'm using that that's not actually based on my computer it's actually in the cloud so i'm using like virtual software out there at least from my standpoint that's kind of how i look at it well same thing with this uh, with the virtual currencies it's not existing in my physical wallet it's existing out there in in a virtual wallet which is essentially stored on like my smartphone or some other electronic device so it's out there it's Basically, it's a a whole bunch of code is what it is, just sitting there. And we see, as I mentioned, many uh, today, we got a lot of advertising going out because of of like touch-free payments, being able to not have to turn your credit card over or touch anything because they're wanting to keep people safe. While mobile payments are really becoming popular throughout the world, and they had been growing anyway slowly, but then just got accelerated through the pandemic. So ones have been paying through their smartphone uh, to be able to use these. And of course, with your uh, virtual currency, you do the same. You don't have to use a debit card or cash. You just do it. And many people pay like through the apps, uh, like to go buy their coffee. Uh, Maybe they'll just have the the coffee place, just, just scan a QR code on their phone to make the payment. And so a lot of people are doing that. In some cases, it's an actual credit card that may be linked to that. But in other cases, it could be virtual currency that's linked to that transaction. And certainly there's a difference between a credit card and if it's virtual currency, which we're going to talk about those differences here even more because once again, you got to understand if you've been using virtual currency to buy coffee or other products and services, that is a tax reportable event. Why has, another reason, why has virtual currency become more and more popular? Well, people can transfer money or transfer the virtual currency free of monthly fees or merchant service charges. So that's one of the advantages of of using the virtual currency and why that is growing up. Well, it is growing up, frankly. And also consider virtual currency is not covered to any government currency, which kind of of does make it a little risky because it's not tied to anything like, like the United States dollar it's not tied to that. It's not. They're not tied to various forms of currency in other countries. So thus, uh, it does not have borders, which is very interesting because as you look at that, you can go from the United States into Canada with your virtual currency and be able to take your, your Bitcoin or your Litecoin or whatever and go over. And if whoever accepts it over there, you can be able to pay for it without having to deal with exchange rates uh, from the US dollar to the Canadian dollar. So that helps uh, people, that's why some people love it because they don't have to deal with those kind of things. And as long as you don't have those, you're good. And that's why people are really flocking to virtual currency. Now we got other areas that are companies, which is why I bring this up, there's companies that are accepting virtual currency. I mentioned earlier Starbucks. Now i think about some others like Microsoft overstock.com, Expedia. Even the state of Ohio is accepting bitcoin to pay taxes. So it's like Ohio's a little bit ahead of the ball game here because they're being willing to accept virtual currencies. And see each of these these are just some of the businesses, there's probably hundreds and thousands of businesses that are accepting these and through various uh, virtual wallets you can Myself, as a small business owner, I can accept them as well, which is why I am making that move as a tax professional, because it's important and we need to be there. We need to be ready to go. So think about this. Bitcoin itself is getting gradually more and more accepted. Consider Japan in 2017 is accepting Bitcoin as a legal form of payment. Now, the United States hasn't quite gotten there yet, but who knows when it, when it could happen. I don't think it's a matter of if, I think it's a matter of when the United States is going to accept it. Now, as we look at back at what the IRS's viewpoint is in regards to a crypto or virtual currency, it actually has been determined in 2014 that cryptocurrency is considered as property for tax purposes. Not as legal tender, as property. Now, the IRS has been slowly catching up with this because they recognize that there's a lot of uh, people that are dealing with it. They're buying, they're selling uh, these virtual currencies, and the IRS recognizes they need to catch up, and the IRS is getting there. You just need to be aware that it's happening because just in this year, 2021, the IRS started applying tax principles, existing ones, because they haven't quite adjusted yet, but existing tax principles to virtual currencies. uh, And they're terming it as a convertible. Now, what is a convertible? Nope, it's not a car that the roof comes on and off of. No, it's actually an area that has an equivalent value in real dollars so basically how many dollars is like one bitcoin worth that's basically what they're they're looking at it as some type of convertible and so they fur- further defined virtual currency as property which basically then makes it the same as like buying land so as that because when you buy a bitcoin for the value of a Bitcoin or another virtual currency for whatever the value is, you're, it's like buying land. And so with that, what you pay for it, plus whatever those acquisition costs are, you get a basis in that. And see, and I talked about basis a few weeks ago in this program of how important it is to know your basis. Well, when it comes to your virtual currency, you may not be, be buying it, In fact, if you're buying it like through Coinbase or PayPal or some other service that allows you to buy not necessarily a full uh, coin, like a full Bitcoin or a full Litecoin or whatever, they may be, you may be buying it in dollars, like say, okay, I want to buy $100 of this virtual currency while you just, $100, they give you 0.2578, whatever that is. Whatever the equivalent of that virtual currency is. And so that number then and when that hundred dollars is your basis in that particular amount of virtual currency that you are buying. Then, of course, you if you paid like a dollar to PayPal or whatever for that, then that would also actually add to your basis. Now it's important to track that and to keep keep that and to know that and to keep those because if you're using your your virtual currency to buy a lot of little things, like coffee, for example, each time you go and you pay for that coffee and using a portion of your virtual currency to do that, you're actually selling some of your virtual currency at whatever the value of that currency is on that day, whatever that market value. And that is your, selling price and so thus you have a taxable transaction so actually on that cup of coffee you may have either a capital gain or you may have a capital loss depending on what the value of the currency is at the time you do it and the reason i say that is because that's essentially what it falls under now for many many people because they use virtual currency on a regular basis, they're buying and they're selling. It's kind of like, it's almost similar to day trading on the stock market. That's that's similar to what they're doing when you do that. So some may buy virtual currency, get virtual currency and use it for several things throughout the year. They could have thousands of transactions. And the majority of those would probably be short-term uh, capital gains, which basically means a, did not hold it for 365 days or less. And thus, it's basically, if they have a gain on it, it's basically ordinary income. Now, some individuals look at their virtual currency and they're just buying it like for the long run. And so because of that, what they're doing is they're holding it, which then if they hold it for more than the 365 days, their virtual currency, actually their sale would be considered a long-term gain, which would fall actually under a better tax rate. So if you're going to look at buying virtual currency, you got to consider what, what am I doing with this? Am I using it to invest? Am I using it for, for to purchase items? What am I going to do with it? It's There's a little bit of tax planning actually that I would recommend that you do. Just don't jump into it like so many people have, but if you're considering it i suggest talking to a tax professional who knows about virtual currencies uh, which is why i'm talking about this now is because i want to help you if you're looking at these if you're considering these if you're already into them that's why i talk about it because it's so important to recognize the tax ramifications of of that now consider is virtual currency capital asset personal property investment or inventory well for most in, for most individuals, it's probably going to it's probably going to be similar to like an investment or capital asset. At least that's what I think, because when you buy them, you hold them for a period of time, whatever that period of time is. And if you hold it for the 365 days or less, it's short term. If you hold it for over 365 days, it's long term. But then when you go and sell it, uh, that's reported on a tax form Schedule D uh, through the form eight. 949, which is where it shows up now, but most people don't realize that it, say you have $140 in Bitcoin and you go to the local coffee store and each day you spend $14 on coffee and donuts for 10 days. Guess what you have just created? You've created 10 days of transactions or actually 10 transactions that are required to be reported to the IRS because each of those sales of the cryptocurrency, of the virtual currency there, each of those sales is basically a reportable transaction, which basically you may have had a a little bit of a gain on each of those, especially if the currency, uh, as it converted to dollars, it increased in value in dollars. It could have, uh, you could have had a little gain or you may have a loss on some. Either way, each of those transactions are reported. So just something very important to keep in mind if you're using virtual currency, because you need to be aware that this needs to be done and you may need to actually have some uh, special software used to track all these transactions. And most of your providers will that do these like Coinbase have means that can help you with this. Plus you may need to get some additional assistance in getting these onto the form because as a tax professional myself, I would probably seek some help in helping you to take care of this because you have the number of transactions that would be recorded onto the tax return. Some individuals are mining for Bitcoin. Well, mining? Well, no, you're not going down to a dark shaft with some heavy equipment. No, not that kind of mining. It's mining. We're using a program where you program a computer to go in and solve various algorithms. It gets very technical when you set this up. It records, it tracks various blockchains in solving these. Now, as these are done, when individuals are doing this mining, they have the computer equipment set up to do this. They get compensated as these things, as these algorithms get solved they get compensated through virtual currency rewards, which is the mining that they're actually doing. Now they get a service for this and they receive a payment back, which is basically you get that payment back. It's taxable income. And in its taxable income, the value, whatever the value is, or whatever that exchange rate is between like the one Bitcoin and uh, the dollar value of that Bitcoin when you receive it. So if you're doing mining, you got to keep that in mind. But if you're mining and you're in business and you got not just one rig that you've set up, but maybe you've got a few that you set up three or four, whatever you've been looking at, it can cost because it can cost thousands of dollars to set up one of these mining rigs. Plus then in addition to that, you have the cost of electricity to do it. So my suggestion is, if you're considering do this. Figure out a way to maybe set up these rigs through some type of renewable energy, like perhaps uh, have some solar panels that you're using to uh, power them. That way, you can have that electrical cost basically down at zero, and even make you more money. Now, if depending on what you're doing on the mining, the reporting uh, is is going to be depending are you kind of in a hobby or you're just kind of doing it or you're actually in business to do it that's going to affect your reporting with it and so that's once again consulting with a tax professional getting an idea of your plans and the way i look i just look at this the way you look at anything especially the taxes are you looking at conducting business what kind of business are you trying to do if this is what you're looking at doing what's the investment uh what's it going to be the potential expenses Importance of having a tax professional available all the time, and which is why I have my uh, monthly programs available. That way you're not just being charged charged for each visit, but you get complete access to me throughout the year with one of our success programs because we all need to pay as little tax as possible. And you want to make sure you go into these and you do them right. Why do people need to be concerned with virtual currency? Because there's so many people out there doing it, and maybe some haven't had tax ramifications yet. But like I tell you, I warn you, it's going to start happening because it's on the 1040 form. It was on the 2020 form, and the 2021 form asks the following question. At any time during 2021, did you receive – sell, exchange, or otherwise dispose of any financial interest in any virtual currency? That question has to be answered correctly. Now, how do you answer that question? Well, this is essentially a question I'm going to be asking each of my tax clients as they come in. Each, Well, each of them, they come in and drop off their information or I'm discussing with it over the phone or or through a virtual meeting, however we do it, because answering that question is absolutely vital. Now, if you have only purchased cryptocurrency but haven't sold any, then you're probably going to answer that question no. But if you have sold any, like buying that cup of coffee, you have to answer that question yes and if you answer that question yes then there is going to be additional forms on your tax return. Yes, be aware of it the IRS is out they're aware of the growth happening with cryptocurrency and so with that in mind you have to be have to be very well aware. Now Coinbase is a US based company uh, that handles virtual wallets for individual for people who are wanting to deal with cryptocurrency and businesses who are wanting to accept cryptocurrency. They assist them with uh, their virtual wallets. There's a there's a a type of summons that the IRS uses in certain cases, and in this case with Coinbase, there were John Doe summons issued out. Now, what is this? Well, this is a way that the IRS gets data on U.S. citizens who may not be reporting their virtual currency transactions on their tax return. I mean, from 2014, there was only a few hundred uh, that had reported these transactions on their tax return, and the IRS is is now looking for everyone who is not reporting these transactions on their tax returns, because there could very soon be uh, reporting from areas like Coinbase directly on Virtual currency transactions. So just be aware that uh, if you're not reporting them, it wouldn't be a good idea. I would even suggest if you had some in 2020 or even 2019, my suggestion would be would be to get with your tax professional, get that information, and get an amended return filed. Now, another reason to think about that is maybe you had a loss on them. That could benefit you, but you'd be better off filing it and then paying any tax. That way you avoid the letters that the IRS is sending out. Or if you get one, you're like, oh, wait a minute, I already took care of that. Because there's actual letters that the IRS is sending out regarding virtual currency, reminding taxpayers of their reporting requirement in regards to virtual currency. And it could not just be a few hundred dollars it could be a few thousand dollars or more than that that could cost you if you're not reporting these transactions now there are a lot of changes that happen with virtual currencies over the years there's been software adaptions and depending on the software adaption it's either called a soft fork or a hard fork now those okay those do happen now When those happen, they're not necessarily a taxable event because they're making adjustments in the software, not really affecting uh, what's happening with your value or what's happening with what's uh, or giving you more virtual currency. It may just the values, but actually giving you more virtual currency, it's usually not going to be or they're not selling anything. What can cause you an issue, though, is airdrops. If you've had an airdrop when virtual currency has been granted to you as a holder, well, these airdrops are a taxable event. And thus you are, it's ordinary income at whatever value, once again, the value of whatever that Bitcoin is that you received, whatever the value of that is that you received, that's taxed as ordinary income. And so once again, a reportable event. Now, this is some excellent information that I have shared with you up to this point, just in regards to cryptocurrencies and the virtual currencies, because it's happening and it is going to happen. And I certainly recommend that if you have any, any questions about this, you can always call me. It's 844 394 4287 or Or uh, visit cashtracksfinancial.com to schedule your mutual exploration session so we can get in, delve into this, and really be able to help you to pay as little tax as possible in these areas. Now, these principles of of getting this assistance and help also applies to other parts of the new economy. And an area I'm going to focus on for just uh, the last few moments of the show here is going to be on transportation networking, which... Uh, the Ubers and the Lyfts, those are uh, been really great. I mean, I've taken some of these rides myself, and uh, most of the drivers I've worked with have been very friendly, very helpful. Some have been very educational, learning about their areas. Now, if you're using, well, if you're actually used, are a Uber or Lyft driver, or if you're considering doing this, keep in mind that you will probably receive a 1099K and you may also get a 1099 nec which may actually could be trouble for you because you could have double reporting there and so and if you don't and if that's not done correctly on the tax return once again you could get one of those notices from the irs so i'm saying don't try to do this on your own now when it comes to the actual income you made you, you have your dashboard that you use with the companies there. Now, of course, some people do both Lyft and Uber, or some, in, use, use, some individuals use both companies, and that's great, which, is, which can cause some reporting issues and some expense issues for you. Now, in your dashboard, though, we come back, that's going to show your gross income, incentive income, shows commissions, fees subtracted, and a record of miles driven. We're going to set the record for miles driven aside for just a moment here, because we're just focusing on the income. So you want to make sure the income is reported correctly and usually on the 1099k that's going to show the gross amount before any deductions and so that's why this dashboard is going to be very important for you to have and to be so you can make sure that your fees or commissions that you have are are properly subtracted there now as a driver your largest expense is going to be auto expenses obviously now what are you going to expense well you're going to have either a standard mileage rate or actual expenses. Now, there are some exceptions when you cannot take the standard mileage, but I'm not going to cover those here. Now, think about this. As I mentioned earlier, the dashboard shows the record of miles driven. Now, that may not necessarily be accurate for tax purposes because that dashboard does not track While it only tracks mileage available for the app. It doesn't actually track your business mileage. So for tax purposes, even with that dashboard, you still, as a driver for Uber or Lyft, need to keep track of your odometer. A log of your odometer is going to be the best uh, evidence in the event of an audit as regards if you, as regards, yeah, an audit. It's going to be the best defense for you is having that odometer as well as having third party verifications. What I mean by that is you take your vehicle in once a month or however many, however you take it when you're doing a driving, you take it in and you get it serviced. And that service shop will take down your mileage. Well, those are those are vitally important as well in verification of mileage. So yes, keep a good accurate record of what you actually drive uh, when transporting individuals uh, as either an Uber or Lyft driver. That is going to be absolutely essential. Now, if you are taking a standard mileage rate, keep this in mind. You can still take uh, a percentage of the interest, personal property taxes, parking, and tolls, which I'm sure uh, in many of the metro areas, you're going to have. You have parking fees and you have tolls. So, yes, you can definitely still take those even if you're using uh, mileage. Now, if you're using actual expenses, everything's going to be based on a percentage of the mileage. So, you still got to keep a mileage log no matter what type of expense you take. Actual expense or standard mileage rate. Still got to keep a mileage log. Absolutely essential and necessary to show the business use of the vehicle Once again, and then supported by third-party verification, basically, once again, those oil changes you get on a regular basis, or maybe you put new tires on, or other service work done on your vehicle, usually they always take the mileage down. Those receipts are absolutely essential in proving that. Now, if you're using a cell phone, which you probably are, everybody uses a cell phone uh, in their business, it is deductible. What I recommend though, is that you have a separate phone that is only used for your transportation business. That way it's the easiest to track, it's the easiest to document, and that's all that phone is used for. Uh, that way, once again, you take that, whatever portion of that particular phone is, and you're good to go. Now, as with any of these other e-commerce areas I've been talking about or in the new economy, if you're driving for an Uber or a Lyft, is it really business or is it a hobby for some individuals? It is a business and they take it very seriously and they do a very fine job at it and you're to be commended, but you do have a few individuals who well, maybe only do it a few weekends out of the year. And it could very well just be a hobby because they're not, they're not looking to make a lot of money at it or, but they're just looking at it as a side gig to be able to maybe get money for a trip or something in that case. Could just very well be a hobby. Now, once again, the distinction comes whether it's business or a hobby is where do the taxes come in. If it's just a hobby, expenses are very limited, but you do not pay self-employment tax. That's the humongous difference there. If you're not in, if you are in business, then of course you got a lot more flexibility in expenses, especially as the many of that I just discussed that you can take, but you can but you're also gonna be subject to self-employment tax. So just keep those points in mind as to why it's so important to think about these areas. Once again, talking to a tax professional and getting it, getting the information you need to be able to do these businesses correctly. Uh, A couple other areas we're gonna mention on here real quick as I mentioned others. If you've been selling on like Etsy or eBay or other e-commerce websites, And guess what? If you have sold more than $600 in products, you're going to get a 1099 K. Now, if you're in business, uh, the 1099 K is only going to show the gross sales. So if you're conducting business here, you got to subtract the site's commissions as expense against that because uh, you're going to need to track those yourself because those will not be subtracted from the 1099 K. Also, if perhaps a capital asset, like a larger, like like a larger item, because some on some of these sites uh, you can sell homes and cars and RVs, these kind of deals, uh, you may receive a ten ninety nine k. You got to report that, but you don't get to take the loss if you lost money on it. But you still have to at least put it on for reporting purposes. There, other areas is touching on some of these where you got to once again, where I recommend you always talk to a tax professional is. Rentals of personal property, there's various uh, apps you can do that. Sharing businesses, pets, house sitting, and so on. Be very careful there. Uh, I talked about the Fiverr and other service sites. Uh, Those are some that are out there that you could end up with 1099Ks from. Uh, Expenses are going to be important. Are you actually in business? Dining sites, that was kind of a new concept for me, but there's some of those out there. Now, another area that's hitting is social media influences or influencers, uh, which basically we see uh, some of these are used to promote products uh, on their social media for various businesses. They get paid to do so. Well, that is taxable income. And once again, is it a hobby or are you actually in business? What expenses are you taking? Because if you are falling into the social media influence category, then guess what? you could have a tax problem. And so your tax professional needs to be up on this and ready. And as I mentioned, with all of these, it all relates to, is it going to be a hobby or is it a business? Because the taxes all are affected by which way you are. And which is why, as I always stated, I state pretty firmly, that you need to be with a good tax professional, not relying upon software to get this right for you in these times because You're not always going to get the best answers from just software. It doesn't look at you very personally, you individually. And thus, as I look to help you to pay as little tax as possible, that tax liability is there. You're going to have it if you're involved somewhere in the new economy, especially with the 1099-Ks, it's going to be issued out. What are you going to do about it? Well, I suggest let's review, uh, let's sit down, have a, Mutual exploration session, you can sit, set one at cashtraxfinancial.com. You can give me a call and set one up, which is 844-394-4287. Keep in mind, we do video meetings because I, as an enrolled agent, I service individual taxpayers, business taxpayers across the country. We review, we set you up, but not just meeting just once, but we meet throughout the year to help you to meet your goals, help establish financial goals, not just looking at tax, but we can take a look at the whole big picture for you help you set up. We can help you set up the accounting system, the payroll system, all of that. So we can take a full approach, the whole big picture, look at it year round, establish goals, help you to reach those goals. Now, in some cases, individuals have a W-2 job and also a uh, they're doing some self-employment income or conducting a business, just depends. That's where, okay, on the individual that's working the W-2 income. Do we need to adjust that withholding, maybe to help compensate? We might need to, or we, or maybe we can take less or, or reduce it. What's what's the case? Do we have children involved in there? All of these areas are going to be vitally important there. So let's set up a virtual tax preparation and a video interview because we can be completely virtual to help you out here. We have a secure portal, send your documents securely. Uh, we do not accept email documents because it's risk for you as a taxpayer and it's too much risky for me. So we only do uh, through media por- through an le- through a portal, a secure portal, or of course you can always mail them to us as well. We'll take your electronic signature with knowledge-based assessment to be able to help you to uh, securely sign your documents. Yes, you can always contact us. It's cashtraxfinancial.com. I'm Marcelino Dodge, an enrolled agent, always willing to hear from you at 844-394-4287. And yes, I work for you to make tax time less taxing. I thank you for your attention today in listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge, enrolled agent on the Voice America Business Channel. Thank you for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. We'll be back again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week.